bad catch one October Sunday that changed everything. Mike was all alone, ten yards away from the nearest defender, when he reached for the sky, grabbed the ball, and came down at an angle that buckled his knees. A torn anterior ligament, the hospital report showed. Surgery was scheduled. Crutches were ordered. You'll miss a season, the doctor told him. To be honest, I'm not sure you'll ever run the same again. Six weeks later, Mary gave birth to Carl Joseph. From the beginning, Carl was different. He didn't cry the way Cody had, and he slept more than usual. His fussiest moments were during feeding time when milk from the bottle would leak out his nose while he was eating, causing him to choke and sputter and cough. Mike would look at him and get nervous. Why's he doing that? I'm not sure. Mary kept a burp rag close by, dabbing at the baby's nose and convincing herself nothing was wrong. At least he isn't crying. Either way, Mike wanted to be gone. As soon as he could, he got back in the training room, working harder than ever to make the knee well again. By the next fall, he was cleared to play. But he was more than a second slower in the 40. We'll try you at special teams, Gunner the coach told him. You've got to get your times down if you want your spot back. His future suddenly as shaky as his left knee, Mike began staying out with the guys after games, drinking and coming home with a strange, distant look in his eyes. By the time Carl Joseph was two, Mike was cut from the Falcons, cut without so much as a thank you or a good luck card. By then, they knew the truth about Carl Joseph. Their second son had Down syndrome. His condition came with a host of problems, feeding issues, developmental and speech delays. One morning, Mary sat Mike down at the breakfast table. You never talk about Carl Joseph. She put her hands on her hips. You act like he has the flu or something. Mike shrugged. We'll get him therapy. He'll be fine. He won't be fine, Mike. She heard a crack in her voice. He'll be this way forever. He'll live with us forever. It was that last part that caught Mike's attention. He said nothing significant at the time, nothing Mary could remember. But that summer, he was gone more than he was home. Always, his story was the same. He was traveling the country looking for a tryout, getting a few weeks' look in one city and then another working out with a handful of teams, trying to convince coaches he hadn't lost a step, hadn't done anything but get stronger since his injury. But one weekend morning, when Mike was still asleep in their bedroom, Mary found a Polaroid picture in his duffel bag. It was of him in a bar, surrounded by three girls, one on each knee, one draped over his shoulder. When Mike woke up, Mary was in the kitchen ready to confront him. He would have to stop traveling, stop believing his next contract was a tryout away. Bars would be a thing of the past, because she needed him at home, helping out with the boys. Money was running out. If football had nothing more to offer, he needed to find a job, some other way to support them. She had her speech memorized, but it was all for nothing. He took control of the conversation from the moment he found her at the kitchen table.
This? He tossed his hands and let them fall limp at his sides. His eyes were bloodshot. This isn't what I want anymore. What? She held up the Polaroid. You mean this? Anger flashed in his eyes. He snatched the picture from her, crumpled it, and slammed it into the trash can. The look he gave her was cold, indifferent. He gritted his teeth. What I do outside this house is my business. She opened her mouth, but before she could tell him he was wrong, he slid his wedding ring from his left hand and dropped it on the table between them. It's over, Mary. I don't love you anymore. Carl's cry sounded from upstairs. Slow and monotone, the cry of a child who would always be different. Mary looked up, following the sound.